Have you ever absolutely panicked after you accidentally deleted a file on your computer? I know I have. It's not an issue if you've got CrashPlan Smart Recovery. Your files are just a few clicks away and can be restored in a snap. CrashPlan provides the best cloud backup solutions in the market. Visit CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. Now you can protect all your work with an unlimited backup and recovery solution. CrashPlan makes it simple to restore some or all of your data. And with unlimited version retention, CrashPlan can be your ultimate rewind button. Get unlimited computer backup for you or your business with CrashPlan Professional. CrashPlan backs up files that live on your computer and works with PC, Mac, and Linux. Don't let data disasters slow you down. CrashPlan has your back and keeps you moving. Go to CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year of CrashPlan. That's CrashPlan.com slash BossProject for 50% off your first year. Back up better with CrashPlan. So I'm planning my first family vacation, but in the sense that it's going to be me, Brian, Penelope and my mom. And I've always wanted to do something like this where we take a vacation with the four of us and my mom like helps with Penny so that like Brian and I can have like a date night and then Penny gets great experiences, but we have basically help like childcare help. And so we're doing it for the first time later this year in October, we're going up to Denver for a wedding for one of Brian's cousins. And it also happens to be his birthday week. And so we were originally going to go up there for some extra days and stay with some friends of ours who live in Denver and just like have friend time. And it's just going to be me and Brian, no big deal. But then they got pregnant and they're due on Brian's birthday. And so I was like, you know what I'm not going to do? bother you the either last week of your pregnancy or the first week of parenthood oh my god and they're like no no it's fine and I was like oh clearly this is your first like (laughs) I'm gonna leave you alone and so we were gonna have to like stay in a hotel do whatever whatever well then my mom was like what if we all drive up there instead and we like get to see family get to hang out so we're all gonna drive up And Brian and I are going to stay at the hotel that's reserved for the wedding. Penny and my mom are going to stay with her aunt. And then at some point, the four of us are going to convene. And that's what I'm trying to figure out is like, do we get a hotel that has two connecting rooms? Do we get an Airbnb? Like, what is the proper situation for something like that? Because if it were like just me, Brian and Penny, she'd probably just like sleep on the pullout couch. But like, it feels different now. And so I'm trying to like figure out those details of what makes the most sense. But I don't have a good suggestion for you, but I mean, I've definitely been in a situation where both have worked. So, I mean, I wasn't the parent trying to get care, but I've seen two adjoining rooms work really well. I've seen Airbnbs work well for people. I think it kind of depends on the dynamic you're looking for. Like perhaps the level of intimacy that you're <laughs> while you're gone. That may determine your mm-hmm. selection process. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm not sure it actually matters too much. Yeah. <laughs> well it's funny because so the wedding is a Saturday We were going to go up like Thursday to Sunday was our initial thought, but we need to be at rehearsal dinner on Friday. We're going to be at the wedding on Saturday. And then his aunt 
his cousin's mom is going to host a family only brunch on Sunday morning because all of us are coming in from out of town. They live in Denver. Literally everyone else lives in Kansas city. And so I understand that we also had an out of town wedding. And so we did extra events for the family that made the trip, but that means I'm going to be down there and three of my major meals and evenings are going to be spent with one group of family. And so we have other family that we want to see and obviously our friends. So what I'm trying to do is like add days to the end of our trip, like go into the next week so that my chances of seeing a baby are higher (laughs) because if we go earlier, she might not even have given birth. But if she does give birth on that Wednesday and everything's gravy through that whole weekend, like Monday, could I stop by? Tuesday, could I stop by? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my God, you and, and they're our- very, very, very close friends. And no, so it's not sure. like it's like, you know, acquaintances, no, but I'm, no, like, no, I'm already sure. here. No, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> and your deep desire to huggle, uh, huggle. <laughs> I definitely huggle babies a lot. Huggle, snuggle, uh, fresh baby muffins. Are- oh, it's so <laughs> intense. A friend of ours is due with her third July 1st. And she has basically given me permission to just wear her baby for all of her maternity leave and just sit at her house while the older kids play. And I just hold that schmuffin for days on end. And so I'm excited to get to do that. (laughs) I don't think you guys have fully met Emily until you've seen her cute aggression come out. (laughs) It's very aggressive. (laughs) (laughs) But it's honestly one of my favorite things because it gets to the point where she can't control it at all. It's a literal science thing, guys. There's something in our brains. It's called something. I can't remember. Cute aggression. I I looked this up because it was becoming a problem. And it's literally... Why why do I want to eat your leg? I want to eat your baby. (laughs) Our brains are so happy and are experiencing such joy and love about this thing that it can't like compute it all and verbalize it or get it out in like an emotion to tell yourself. And so it comes out in this aggression that's like, like, I'm going to chomp your face off. I'm just going to... Those are my fingers stabbing together. And it's just this like bubble of energy. Even thinking about this newborn has me like wanting to chomp the air. And so, oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) And just to clear the air, Emily is not going to have another baby. No, no, we're done, done, done. But I love the newborn phase so much. And a lot of people do not like the newborn phase. And I get it. And when it's your own newborn, it is different. But give me that newborn. I'll take the first like six months. Then I'll send the baby back. (laughs) Then I'm done. (laughs) Then you can have it. Once they're crawling, I'm out. Yeah. uh, For real though. If they can get into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. When they say trouble, I didn't understand it until I had a niece and a nephew, but Truly, the anxiety of watching someone else's kid when they could get injured. I didn't really know what trouble meant. It means, for those of you who haven't been around kids, it means they could get their fingers chopped off, electrocuted, fall, drown. Yep. (laughs) It's just that. I'm telling you what, like, if you are in this season, I promise you it gets better. 
that constant hypervigilance of attention for yes. kiddos who are it not. It does go. Yet. You get to chill after. Oh my God. Years. It's it so tiring. Work. And I tell you, having a six-year-old, game changer. Game totally changer. different different stage of life. Oh, it's dreamy. I get to sleep in again. <laughs> I get coffee brought to my nightstand in the morning. Because you taught your daughter how to make you coffee. Yes, I did. <laughs> the cat gets fed. Like I just, it's great. It's so great. <laughs> Does she fight? I'm just curious. Does she fight chores or do you just like position them as like perks? <laughs> So far, they've been positioned as perks. She is interested in earning more money now. So we are actually just now paying her for things. Like we literally haven't even started. We're doing that in the next couple of weeks. She is truly the most helpful kiddo. Like she loves helping. She loves sweeping and she loves responsibilities. She loves like feeding the cat has been, she's like, no, I got it. I got it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. So it's like a very like independent thing of hers. And she's always been, so we try to model a lot of Montessori type things, even within the home. She went to Montessori school for a long time. And so like her cups and glasses has always been in her reach. She fills her own water. She gets her own food. Like she helps cook dinner, like so many things that she does on her own, but she does want to earn money for some more switch games and switch games are expensive. They're very expensive. And she is one of those people who like, if she's got like $3 in her pocket, she immediately wants to go to Target. And she's like, I have, I have money and I want to go to the dollar spot and I want to find, I have three whole dollars. That means I can get three things and I'm so excited. So she's just now started to wrap her brain around saving that money to be able to buy something more expensive. And so she has $11 right now. She needs 29 of those dollars to get her first game. And so we're negotiating different things because I need her to do the litter box because I'm not doing the litter box. (laughs) Well, so I'm excited for this phase because money management has changed a lot since we were kids because it used to be physical cash made, you know. Well, and we still do physical cash because it's a different, it literally triggers a different learning in the brain when you're seeing something and holding it, managing it, seeing the different quantities. And they still learn in dollars and cents in like a dollar bill and a coin at school. And so we have a lot of ones here and a lot of quarters. And so we make change and we're learning that and it's a different psychological thing to save. I'll be interested to see when they think from like a foundational aspect it makes sense i agree with you that it is more like you more tangibly understand that you're spending it when you see the physicality to it yeah because our world is so automated and most of the time you don't see your money when should you introduce the concept of a savings account or they do have some really cool kids apps right right act as that so i do think we will explore those in the near future like you know have her start saving for i want to teach her like save for the switch game. Yeah. And then like save for like just savings. And then, you know, maybe we're going to have a sort of give aspect to it. And so I want her to be able to, to make different decisions on where her money goes and learn that. So I was never taught those things ever. And so I'm learning all of the different ways that we can, we can. Oh, yeah, there's so many different ways. And watching you parent is really fun because you tend to be the kind of person that like learns 
the 17 million approaches that you could have and then like trying to identify what feels good for your household. And you've done a really incredible job to the point where sometimes I'm surprised your child knows certain body parts or, (laughs) or uh, whatever, but like so many different subjects that I'm just like, that's, I guarantee you, Emily read her a book about that. Uh huh. There's no other reason. Some of the words out of her mouth, like she just says the the silliest words, like that are just like incorporated into her vocabulary. I can't remember what it was the other day. She just said something where I was like, "Ma'am, <laughs> what?" Well, and she is getting to the age where she will learn stuff in school that you did not plan. Oh, that's already happened. hundred like, percent. Oh, but I, I texted you this weekend and it's just happening all the time now. She is reading. She reads really well. She's read for a while. She's a little bit of a freak of nature, but she is now so good at her reading. that She will just pass by me while I'm texting or doing something and glance at my phone and just read it. Like she just knows what it says. And so this weekend, <laughs> Abby had sent me some TikToks and one of them was about a kid. And Abby's commented, kids are so weird. And with this TikTok. And so Penny is something we talk about all the time. Just a drive-by walkthrough. And she goes, Abby said, kids are so weird. That's rude. (laughs) I was like, oh, mind your own business. (laughs) Mind your own business. But we definitely talk about you being a weirdo girl. Uh Oh, my Uh God. uh Yeah. I'm now terrified. What can I say? to you I'm just gonna have to keep my phone close to the chest because I'm like I know because it's gonna get crazier Uh (laughs) mind your own business you're gonna have to talk about digital privacy (laughs) yeah Yeah. well because she still uses my iPad for like music or FaceTime because she does not have an iPad and so I'm like oh how do I don't browse my text (laughs) ever at all at all, please. You can probably remove messages from iPad. I imagine there's a parental way to do that. And that is the only, like, I feel like an, her own iPad is in her future because the only way to have parental controls is for the kiddo to be the primary holder of the iPad. You can't have an adult sign in and an, a kid sign in like a computer can. So maybe I need an iPad upgrade and she can get my old one. <laughs> Actually, she could get Brian's old one, which is actually my old one, and he can get mine, and then I'll get a new that one. That sounds like a solid swap. Swap case. Well, in other news, in other news for today's episode, I wanted to dig into a situation that came up for a client of ours and a real world challenge that they are experiencing and talk about it because I know that she's not alone and that you all will come into situations very similar to this. It may not go down in the same way, but I want to provide some perspective and insights into how you might navigate a situation like this and present some opportunities for you because it's really easy to get frustrated. So today we're specifically digging into communicating with clients and how to navigate differences of opinions on how the communication went. Okay. So the specific scenario that happened for a client of ours is she is actively doing a mix of project and ongoing retainer work for various clients. And this specifically was a longtime client of hers that has worked with her in a retainer fashion 
And in my opinion, definitely skirts the line of treating her a bit more like an employee, even though she's technically a contractor. And that right there can be a mind fuck because you maybe know where your boundaries lie, but if their request skirt over those boundaries and their expectations skirt over those boundaries, it can absolutely feel like you're not fulfilling on your end or you're not providing a great experience. You're not doing what you quote unquote should be doing. And that can sometimes be a hard kind of come to Jesus conversation. We've walked many of clients through a realigning expectation chat with their own clients who are treating them like employees. We've even had to have that come to Jesus moment with ourselves. And so it's, I feel like one of the easiest boundaries to cross over. Yeah. So that's definitely the root of the issue. But what happened was they typically discuss upcoming projects and set kind of like a schedule for when she's going to complete stuff or work on things and what's coming. And they had discussed her schedule for the upcoming week, which P.S. discussing a schedule and communicating when you can work on stuff is normal. What's not normal is setting the hours in which those things were to happen as a contractor. Anyway, the root of it, they talked about an upcoming schedule and said, oh, no worries. We don't need you next week. And as a business owner, our client pursued other work to fill the gap because they need to get paid. And so they're prioritizing other clients in that space. And they received a Slack message on Monday. Hey, can you do this thing? And because they had prioritized other client work and the other person had said, you know, we don't need you. They continued to work on their other project and didn't acknowledge the Slack message, knowing that they had a meeting coming up on Wednesday. Well, they both came in guns a blazing, and the her client was like, "Why haven't you addressed my message? I was expecting this task to be done by end of day." And she was like, "You said that I didn't have anything to do this week and you didn't provide a timeline specifically for the thing." And so her immediate reaction is, "This is so frustrating. This person isn't communicating. I need to up my prices. My contract's messy. Like, I need to immediately address price." And of course, her client is frustrated that she didn't complete the task on the timeline that she was hoping it to be completed on. And so what's that saying again, uncommunicated expectations are intentional frustrations or something like that. Something to that effect. But I immediately was like, I am not saying that we shouldn't look at a contract renegotiation, especially if this is a long-term client. I think you resetting boundaries as to how you work with someone, how often, what the scope of your project looks like, all of those things should be true. And you specifically need to get back on the same page with this client and for them to feel good about the relationship before you immediately go into pricing. Otherwise, they're going to feel threatened by this conversation. And so I said, we need to focus primarily on communication gaps first. And so I provided some insight as to how to communicate. You know, I am a business owner, I have a schedule, you told me 
that you didn't need me. I filled it accordingly because I'm a business owner. And in the future, I want to remind you that I will get back to you within two business days and typically respond to you on the same business day because I do care about this relationship, but I have up to two days to respond. And also, if you have urgent requests, regardless of the timeline, you need to specify when you want something completed, regardless of if I can actually do that or not. I have the actual quote that I butchered, and I'll try to remember it because I feel like I quote this all the time. Unspoken expectations are premeditated resentments. Yes, yes. Get Love it. Love it. Get it, girl. Get it, girl. Mm, 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 mm. I want to pull up the exact phrasing because I feel like the way I suggested that they communicate was helpful. Yeah. Want to learn exactly step-by-step how to get paid to generate leads in your business? I've kept these details to myself for far too long. I'm ready to spill everything and give you the exact steps that help me generate tens of thousands of qualified leads and millions in low-ticket digital product sales. I won't just show you what I did, but teach you how you can do it too. I'm talking not just how to create low-ticket digital products, but also showing you how to use them strategically to generate leads for your other existing or future offers. I'm sharing it all at bossproject.com slash jumpstart, including exactly how I made $8,033 and generated 277 leads my very first month selling digital products. Find out more at bossproject.com slash jumpstart. When it comes to hiring, don't go searching for the one. Just meet your match with Indeed. Get unparalleled access to job seekers with over 350 million unique monthly visitors globally, according to Indeed data, and an extended reach through Glassdoor. I love that Indeed makes it easy to hire because I'm busy enough already. When we've hired in the past, the process was full of unqualified applicants. With Indeed, we can target the right candidates for the right position. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. In the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed, according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Just go to Indeed.com slash strategy hour right now and support our show by seeing you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash strategy hour. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Money issues are a common stressor in any relationship. Monarch Money is the top-rated personal finance app that can get you and your partner on the same page without any extra cost. Monarch has built-in collaboration features, so together you can see your finances, budget, and get insights on your cash flow. It's the easiest way to manage any household finances. I've tried other finance apps in the past, and they didn't work the way I wanted them to. I don't want to stress over finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com strategy. Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint and keep all of your tags and categories. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to get set up, customize, and use. Monarch prioritizes my privacy, and they'll never sell my data to third parties. 
After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash strategy. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash strategy for your extended 30-day free trial. So this is how I suggested that she ultimately respond. And I was thinking this could either be a Slack message or an email. But I said, thank you so much for your patience and my response. As a reminder, responses may take up to two business days. However, as you know, I typically respond the same business day. Last week, we had discussed the schedule for this one and your team indicated I was not needed on any projects. Then this request came in Monday and it was not indicated there was an expected timeline or due date. I had prioritized other client work in the gap in my schedule as I am running my own business. In the future, it is imperative I have great communication regarding project needs. You're a longtime client and I value our relationship, often prioritizing your work over newer clientele. Specifically, when discussing schedule, it's imperative we stay two business weeks in advance in planning so I can continue to balance you amongst other clients. Should other needs come up, you are welcome to request them and even suggest a due date. I will happily let you know if that's a timeline I can meet or if there will need to be some wiggle room. I appreciate your cooperation regarding your recent request. I will have that to you no later than date. Thanks so much. And while she ultimately revised this and, you know, fitted into the communication flow they already had, I think it's important that you address as soon as possible when there's a communication gap or resentment will be had on both sides. It is not a one-sided resentment situation. It needs to be tackled from both points of view. And we have to be mindful of like, okay, If this is highlighting other areas we need to be stronger in our boundaries around or we need to revise a contract, we also need to be looking at the life cycle of the client and when it makes the most sense. So Emily, do you want to talk a bit more about client experience from that standpoint? Yeah. So something we talk about in the realm of offboarding, but it really is the entire lifespan, just decide to work with us. And then they're super happy when we're done working with them because they've been given the thing, right? And this is very obvious in one project specific type clients, but there's definitely this aspect for retainer clients as well. The Truth, however, is that the peak and in rule showcases that all of us make psychological judgments based on how we judge the experience that we have. So it states that humans care more about two key points in any given experience, the peak phase and the end phase. So we're paying attention to usually the end phase, right? We're wrapping up the client project. Here's what we need to do to kind of go off with a bang. How the experience is concluded will have a lasting impression, right? However, this rule introduces the peak part of the phase. When the experience is the most intense, when most of the work is occurring. This is going to be different depending on the length of your project, the type of project, etc. But what it brings to light is that there are multiple touch points for our clients when we have an opportunity to surprise and delight to make sure that communication standards are working for both of us, to make sure that how deliverables are being sent, how updates are being sent, everything in regards of that client project 
is satisfactory and is providing a great experience. And so what I want us to be mindful of is not just paying attention to getting to the finish line and then gathering all their kind words and testimonials and moving on, but really paying attention to those middle parts when the work is still messy and it's still getting done. And what can we be doing to better that part of the process? Spoiler alert, it's communication. It's almost always communication. I very rarely do. I think it's something else. And, you know, the thing is, communication affects so many different aspects of delivery. You know, it's your process. It's your expectations. It's your timing. It's your what you need from them, what they need from you. Like, there's so much. It's transparency. Like, I could keep going here. And so... I hesitate to say, oh, focus on communication, because I think a lot of people will oversimplify what that actually means and not think about the individual aspects. But I urge you to kind of like make a list of the different things that must be communicated in the life cycle of your client work and talk about when should this be communicated and to what depth and is there any like rules of play? for that kind of thing. So like in this specific instance, it's a client request. So how are client requests handled? And if you've made no rules about this, then ultimately the client will typically behave in the manner in which they want to operate or their most likely operation. And so especially if you're working as a contractor with someone who is on a bigger team or has they're in a corporate environment, they're more likely to treat you like an employee because they're treating their coworkers like employees and they're kind of lumping you into their behavior set and they may need to be reminded that there are differences. And there's definitely ways to go about doing this. But I think in terms of where to start, I would really start to think through what are those different things that have to be communicated? When? To what depth? Are there rules? Like I was saying. And then when these situations pop up, reflect first on, did I do the things that we said we were going to do? Did I communicate this and the rules to play this game? And if I didn't, then it's still an opportunity. Like you can still come at this point with, okay, I failed to explain my needs as the person working on this project, but this is what I need from you. Well, and I think the biggest opportunity we have found for this to be most helpful for us is in a client debrief. And if your client is a retainer instead, I would have like an internal client check-in maybe every 45 days. Like you don't need to do it super, super often, but if it's an ongoing relationship, those processes deserve to be checked in on and improved and made to communicate better what it is that you're doing and what it is that you need from that client. It could literally be as simple as adding your office hours and response times to your email, setting up an autoresponder to Slack messages for that client. Like, so they immediately get a response from you. So they know that you at least saw it. One of our things that we love doing, again, this is with our own internal team. And so you have to decide if this is going to make sense for your client or not. We started an emoji response system. I know we've talked about this before, but 
whenever someone posts a question or a request or a need in Slack, that someone needs to then do something about, do something with, we like to just know that a team member saw it. Like, I just, do I need to keep bugging you? Did you see this? Do you know that it's on your plate? So we've asked them to either thumbs up or put eyeball emoji on that thing. And then if it was something that needed to be actually complete or done or dealt with, they come back to that response or that message in Slack and do a check mark on it to say that it's been done. And I cannot tell you how helpful just that simple emoji system has been because it gets the thing out of my brain. I know that you know now that this is in your court. Yeah. Because there's no like read delivery receipts. receipts. And so it's helpful in that. And plus, even if it did have that, Slack is such the easiest thing when you get in the flow to like, to click well, on it, click on seven different things. Cause there's a number, but then yeah. scroll up or not read something or whatever. Yeah. But I think revisiting this thing is important. And if you decide, okay, I want to revisit this, but this is highlighting that I need to like have a bigger conversation around scope or price or the overall flow of how things are delivered. And you feel like you need to revisit a contract. I definitely think you should do that. And can you do so in a way that it's closer to a peak time? So if you wait into you just wrapped up a project, then they're not as emotionally in the thrusts with you. And so like, how can you literally, it would be looked at as I, the client, would need to spend my time and energy for you to improve your process for the next client. And instead of in the middle of our time together, if there's an opportunity for improvement, I'm helping improve my process. Right. So you being in the middle of it can be helpful, Mm -hmm. even if it's a little bit off. I definitely would say try to like do something that feels either a little bit above and beyond or like makes them happy, you know, is going to like check some boxes for them feeling satisfied and then bring up having that conversation. But it's really easy to like get so far removed and it happens so quickly. Like we have a client, we have a process specifically when we are working through a strategy intensive because it's only a 30 day relationship. And so we're in it and we have these specific calls and we have like a timeline of when we will introduce new projects. And we didn't follow this timeline with a recent client. And now I'm like, Oh, it's starting to feel really far removed. It's only been like a week and a half, but like, I'm like, I know we're getting farther and farther from that peak not saying that they won't convert or they can't convert or that like someone won't move forward, but there's so much less likely when you've removed yourself from that timing. And so I am constantly reminded even now how important that experience is. And I do think specifically if you have retainer clients, it is so easy to get complacent or like so in the like, loop of just doing the same thing over and over again, that it loses its luster over time. And so I think you really have to think about how you can not just 
do the work and check the boxes, but how are you maintaining the relationship in a way that's really positive? Because the relationship is just as important as the deliverables and sometimes more so. I would say always it's more so important. Like honestly, you could mess up the deliverables, but yep. if you've focused heavy on the relationship, the like you're still gonna win. If you mess them, up the relationship yeah. and excel at your deliverables, no. it's a loss. No. They'll move on. Yep. And I've been in that situation. 100%. Where I was like, they're doing the work. And like, it's good, but this, but like, I don't feel, shitty I don't feel seen and heard over here. And so yeah. like, I don't like uh, this yeah. is going. Yeah. And I've turned out like big retainer. Like, so I can think of one in particular where it was like a $4,000 a month retainer. And like, in theory, there's nothing wrong, but it was like, if you don't listen to me, like this isn't going to work. Yep. Yep. Yep, so, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I know you do. I know you do. Because how you feel is so important to all of it. And that, as someone who wants to like approach this as a sales opportunity too, I also want to make sure, not that we're buttering people up to like turn around and sell them something, but like you taking care of them and having them feel good before you bring up a certain point is only going to help you. It's only going to help you and them. So I love working through these situations. Do I love that our clients end up in challenging situations? No. But I find but like, it, we would be naive to say that that's not going to happen to all right. of you. Yeah, it's going to happen to all of you. And one of the things I think Emily and I have a superpower about is, especially when it's not happening to us. <laughs> How can we provide some perspective, give you an opportunity to think through something, and specifically, how do you communicate in that specific instance? This is something we're doing very frequently with our incubator clients, very frequently. And so if that's something that you're interested in exploring, I would love you to go to bossproject.com slash incubator, hear a little bit more about our group program, but then book a time with me. We can chat about some recent client challenges that you've faced and talk about how Emily and I can support you. We'd so love number one goal is for you to reach your financial goals with more ease period. And so part of that are systems and processes. Part of that's pricing. Part of that's the sustainability of what it is that you're delivering and understanding your capacity and communication with clients and how to handle these sometimes hard conversations that have us get in our head about all the things. Having a different perspective and sounding board for that it will absolutely push you through the hard parts a lot faster. Yeah. So we're here to navigate the fun stuff, the beautiful things, the things that are going to make you more money and the challenges along the way. And if you want to chat about what that would look like, we'd love to have that conversation. Bossproject.com slash incubator. Looking to elevate your brand without the headache? Join the co-op, our creative template shop membership. With thousands of easy to customize templates, all crafted to seamlessly fit your business aesthetics. We make nurturing leads and driving sales effortless. We're talking serious impact and seriously simple creation. Become a member now at creativeshopcoop.com and transform your business today. That's creativeshopcoop.com. 
Hey, a few quick favors before you leave. I'd love if you'd share today's episode, send it to a friend who needs to hear it and post on social. You can show us where you're listening from, your favorite takeaway, or why someone else should listen. Be sure to tag me at Abigail Says and at Boss Project so we can share it. Okay, second favor. To get podcast updates and all the behind the scenes news from Boss Project, I'd love if you join my VIP list. Just head to bossproject.com slash sign up to make sure I have all your contact details. Really love this show? It would mean so much to me if you'd leave a rating and review. It not only helps more listeners find the show, but allows us to bring on quality sponsors so we can keep bringing you this valuable content for free. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.